just I just I just speak my peace keep my peace What's good everybody? Welcome to episode 86 of the Speak My Peace podcast. As always, I'm your gracious host, Greg Lacey. Like we always do about this time, I hope this episode is reaching you all in good health. Um, before we do get into everything, I do want to start this episode off by apologizing because I did not start off last episode, the first episode of Women's History Month, the, f- the same way I started off the first episode of Black History Month. And you all know how important Black History Month is to me. Um, and the same goes for March, Women's History Month. I think we should do more. As far as celebrating the accomplishments of women, picking up women, paying homage to women, paying our respects to women, just showing out and showing our appreciation to the greatest creation on this planet. Um, because it's, it's not, it's definitely not shown enough and it's definitely not um, expressed enough. So to start off this episode, I want to shout out just a bunch of women. Um, Catherine Johnson, Betty Shabazz, uh, Coretta Scott King, Serena Williams, Lisa Leslie, um, Shoot, Naomi Osaka, Beyonce Knowles, Beyonce Knowles Carter, um, Karen Civil. I'm just going off the top of my head, just women that I appreciate, not the only women I appreciate, but a bunch of women I appreciate, because um, that should be expressed more. Um, there's so many women that operate in these male-dominated fields that don't that that go through hell and high water to get to a, to attain the level of success that they have attained and it's not easy and so we definitely have to appreciate and show our love for them more um ava duvernay oprah winfrey uh viola davis more just to to name um just amazing and incredible women who operate uh not even just because they operate in the male-dominated field just because they are women and they are exceeding um you know i speak a lot on this podcast i'm on you know the experience of of black people um, the experience of a, of a woman, no matter what color you are, but especially women of color, is, is definitely probably the hardest in this country, in this world, period. And so I just want to start this episode off by appreciating them. Beyond that, I'm glad I was able to start off on uh, that great high note. On that same breath, I do want to take the time out to um, send my thoughts and prayers out to the women who lost their lives uh, yesterday morning. Um due to the senseless acts of violence down in Atlanta where the domestic terrorists uh, opened fire and took and claimed the lives of of eight women in a massage parlor. I don't know what the motives are. I don't know what the motives were, but the fact of the matter is there were eight women who lost their lives um, in a massage parlor at the hands of a, I don't have to, when I say domestic terrorists, you guys kind of guess the makeup of this terrorist, but uh, they lost their lives at the hands of this domestic terrorist for reasons never explainable, never um, justifiable is the word I'm trying to say. So once again, thoughts and prayers to all those who lost their lives, thoughts and prayers to the family, uh, people who woke up, you know, without a, a mother or a daughter or a sister or a friend. Um, that's definitely hard. And on that same token, well, before I do get into all this, I want to take this time out again as always, to thank you all for tuning into the Speak More Peace podcast. I know I said it already, but shout out to my listeners, whether you listen on YouTube, whether you're watching on YouTube, whether you listen on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, Google, Stitcher, wherever the case may be, we wouldn't be here without you. Thank you all so much for continuing to tune in to the Speak More Peace podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. If this is not, welcome back. Hope that I'm able to retain and regain your listenership. Um, and we're going to keep this thing rocking. I spoke briefly in the last episode about how, you know, I was going to utilize this episode to um, just reflect on this past year. Because here domestically in the United States, you know, we have come upon what we call, I guess you can call it a year in COVID. Um, A year in this what we call the new norm now. And it's definitely been a tumultuous year. It's definitely been a crazy year. But... I'm definitely going to use and so many other things that I have to talk about. And hopefully I get into that the next episode because I didn't get really, really get deep into like the business ventures of Jay-Z and Timbaland and Swiss Beats in the last episode. It's kind of briefed over it. I didn't touch on 
you know, the huge story of the uh, the Meghan Markle and the Prince Harry uh, interview. Um, and it was some it was something else that I that I wanted to cover in the last episode, but I really couldn't. And that episode was long enough as it was. And I know that this episode is going to be long too. So we're definitely going to get into that. Or I'm going to try to find time to get into that. But for the for the fact of the matter is, um, I think it's too significant to pass up on this episode to reflect on just this this past year in COVID. Um, because it's definitely it it it's not something we would have ever imagined would have ever imagined in a thousand years. Um, before I do get into it, I want to render a quick moment of silence for the 2.6 million lives lost due to the coronavirus um, over this past year and some change. Man, that that number, 2.67 million worldwide here in the United States specifically, we've had we we have the highest toll just because we're hard headed, but worldwide that's 2.67 million. In the United States, we have 536,000 lives being claimed by coronavirus. That number is an astronomical number. Just think about all the people who had so many plans had had plans you know to to cross some goals off their list had plans to you know go meet up with their siblings one day go meet up with their friends one day had plans to cross over into a new career had plans to start a family had plans to get their health on track um had, had fitness goals i should say not get their health on track because that kind of sounds um evil but have fitness goals, have religious goals, have personal goals, had financial goals. And then this this virus just just comes in and, and it claims their life. It's crazy to think about where we were and the mindsets that we were in last year and all that we have accomplished in the past 12 months. Um, it's inexplainable to really say it in words what this past year has meant for a lot of people. I'm grateful and I'm thankful that you know I didn't have anyone close to me um have their lives claimed by coronavirus. I've had a couple of people, as I said in you know older episodes a couple of episodes ago i've had it w- it wasn't until that second wave in the winter. Um, or this winter, um, that I've known people close to me who, who's actually, you know, contracted a virus. Thank God they, you know, got over it and got past it and it wasn't fatal. But, you know, I know people who know people whose lives were, were claimed by this. And, like, that, that's, like, that's something that's, that's never going to make sense. People, like, how we... And I spoke about this in other episodes as well. I don't know how we're going to come out of this. Like as far as mentally, especially the people who are having a hard time and going through like, you know, the mental battles, um, dealing with this just from being, you know, closed off from, from the outside world or just thinking about, you know, trying to stay away from people and not trying to have their lives claim or like not trying to deal with people in their lives, putting their lives at risk by being outside or being around other people. This toll is going to be heavy, and I don't know that we've we've ever been through anything like this before. That that really just froze the world. Like we've had many of things that we thought, you know, were 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 crazy, were deadly, or were in some cases we thought we were going to end the world, but we never had anything that that really just stopped everything in its place. Think about the Ebola. Think about Ebola. Think about swine flu think about the west nile virus all these things were definitely and i, I know i'm kind of missing a couple of viruses or, or missing a couple of sicknesses that have happened um in my 28 years on this earth as well um but those are just the ones that comes off the top of my mind when i think about it but think about just the, the coverage and those things like those viruses those sicknesses those ailments have claimed the lives of people as well but 
it wasn't no astronomical number. It wasn't so bad that it couldn't be contained. It wasn't so bad that, you know, we had to change our everyday lives. Even thinking about not as serious as those illnesses, but thinking about like Y2K. Like I remember, you know, being six years old and hearing about Y2K and not really fearing, but like seeing how people reacted to that and what people expected, uh, what expected, what people expected to happen in Y2K. Um, thinking about a couple of years ago, um, 2012 people thought because uh, due to the predictions of, I believe it was a Mayan calendar, people thought the world was going to, that the sun was going to burn out 2012 and that was going to be the end of the, the end of the world at on you know, December, uh, 31st 1159 p.m that the world was going to end um even that it didn't really like really cause a shift to where people everyday lives were affected to where like they had to change or they had to alter you know what their everyday life was this came and and, and it did that and it did it like swiftly like i vividly remember seeing coronavirus being covered in the news from the fall 2019 Leading up until where the first case came or the first case was discovered in the United States in February. And the fall of 2019, it wasn't as widely covered because it was specifically in Wuhan, China or specifically in China, I believe, period. And so there was another one of those illnesses or one of those viruses to where we here in the United States are in. I'm pretty sure people from other countries that weren't in that from people of other countries that aren't China probably also thought the same thing like you know that's a virus that's there and it's not going to spread and it's going to be contained and that's going to be that um i definitely had that mind state just seeing like what it was and i didn't know too much about it i just knew and first of all before i do get into that let me apologize because i think in earlier episodes i said how this was discovered how the coronavirus came about was that people were eating bats um i don't i, I don't believe that to be true um but that's what i read when this thing was first discovered and people started doing their research and trying to figure out how it got here and how we got to where we are now. Um, that's what I read. And it was discovered lately that we don't know how this came about. And so I have to go back and erase that and say that that didn't happen. I shouldn't be spreading type of information. It was false information, but I did read it um, from multiple sources online um, during a time to where, when it first came to the United States, getting back to what I was speaking about, just the, the the early stages of it. like i remember those days at the 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 fall and the early winter and just seeing how it was claiming lives in china how china was combating it and thinking that you know that's not something we could deal with or not something we have to really worry about and then february came and then we started to discover you know cases here domestically um people traveled from china and brought it over here and even then, in those early stages, this was like late January, early February, people, we knew that there were cases here, but people were still believing, or we still were so naive and believing that it was contained. And this entire thing was just, and we know this, this entire thing was mishandled by government. We had that idiot, number 45, in office, um, and he thought it was a joke. And because he thought it was a joke and because he didn't prepare, prepare for it, we weren't properly prepared for it. And so this thing came through our country and it, it just swept through our country, claiming lives, changing our everyday lives. Um, even the the, the, isn't the the only the people who lives were claimed aren't the only cases that I shouldn't even be speaking about. Because there are people who who contracted it and got over it and their health just never improved. Like they're still dealing with, you know, certain side effects or after effects. Um to this day and this is because we had that idiot number 45 in our office and he thought it was a joke he thought it was a time to to be racist he thought it was a time to be prejudiced he thought it was a time to joke about naming the virus after where it was first discovered not even naming the virus after it was first discovered because he called it the clunk flu virus so it was just it was just uh uh just him just being a pig and him utilizing 
what got him into our office in the first place. It's just his bigotry, his prejudice, and his racism. Everything that fueled him, everything that's fueled his campaign, everything that got the quote-unquote people to back him was those same things that he was using uh, that, that, that fueled those terms um, that he used. And that wasn't the only term he used. He used many other terms as well when speaking about this, this virus. He never actually called it the coronavirus, I don't think. Um, but that's just, that's who he is. Like, we can't expect too much from a person like that. But that's just where we were in the beginning stages, not really knowing. You could say naive just because of, you know, we seeing how it was happening in China and what we didn't think. And I can't speak for everybody. I'm speaking for myself. But I seen how what was happening in China. And I didn't think that I thought that our medical system, I thought that our government were advanced enough to see something like this or see a threat like this and have the common sense. I have the wherewithal to to stop it, to prevent it, um, to not let it get as far as it has gotten in these past 12 months um, to affect our lives. Man, throughout these past 12 months, for the people who didn't contract it, people who, who you know, were so lucky enough to, to survive these past 12 months, there is millions of people who, who risked their lives. And we spe- I'm speaking about the essential workers. The... The people who work in the hospitals, the people who work in the grocery stores, the people who do Uber and Lyft. Um, I know I'm going to forget it, some people, so I definitely forgive me. Um, the people who work in the department store, like the people who still had to go to work every day because they had to make ends meet or because their company didn't properly prepare for the safety measures um, to, you know, combat this. The people who whose companies, you know, really didn't have the funds in place to, you know, protect them or to allow them to have the option to, you know, not be out every day and dealing with people. My heart goes out to them. Just like we we stress and people want to say I shouldn't draw parallels, but I'm going to draw parallels. This is similar to people who go overseas and fight for, quote unquote, our freedom. Not really are, as in people of color, but, you know, those other people um, fight for their freedom, um, their freedom to to be racist, their freedom to be bigots, their freedom to store the capital and things like that. Um, I would draw parallels to the same thing, because when you when you do things like that, and you deploy and you go overseas, you don't know what you're going into. You know, there's a 50 50 chance that you there's a 50 percent chance that you will not return home. And that's the same thing with these essential workers. Granted, you know, the chances of returning home may be significantly higher. But the fact of the matter is they are not aware of what these consumers who are coming into their place of business are doing prior to coming into their place of business. Think about the the nurses and the doctors. Granted, you know, they, they have the protective gear and things like that, but. The those things are not 100 percent protective. Those are just measures put in place to make sure that they are protected. As much as possible, but there are still, you know, reasons are there still a possibility of them contracting uh, contracting it from a patient. Think about those same essential workers working in the hospitals and they can't you know, sleep in their own bed. They can't, some of them, most of them can't sleep in their own homes because they fear that there is a possibility that somehow that virus followed them home, whether it's on a piece of clothing, whether it's on a piece of material that they may have followed with them, whether it was on their skin, whether it was in them, they feared that they brought this thing home with them and they could potentially claim the lives of their loved ones, the, the the parents that live with them, the children that live with them, the spouses that live with them, the relatives that live with them. They feared of that potential. And that that's a great risk. Like I know it's it's good now, like, you know, media is really, you know, showing their love and their appreciation for those essential workers. 
But those people are going to suffer PTSD from this from these past 12 months and even going forward because we're not out of this. I'm speaking about it as if we got over it and I should change the tone because we're definitely not over it. We're still dealing with this, still out there, still claiming lives. Um, we still have to take the precaution to protect ourselves. But the fact of the matter is that these people are, are going to have serious mental problems once, whenever that day is, we get out of this because of how their lives drastically changed like my life changed and i'm not an essential worker so i can only imagine how those people on the front lines dealing with the hundreds of people dealing with the over flooded hospitals dealing with seeing these dead bodies and having these refrigerated trucks outside of their um hospitals and having these you know rooms converted to morgues inside of hospitals and things like that that is going to definitely have some type of mental fatigue that's definitely going to have some type of mental anguish on them for years to come because granted they're in a line of field to where you know they should expect to see things like that and deal with mortalities and and fatalities and things like that um but it, you're never prepared to deal with it at the rate that we have been dealing with it 536,000 people to this day have died in the united states specifically worldwide 2.67 million people have died due to coronavirus you you can't prepare for that no matter what and so my heart goes out to those people huge shout out to y'all huge shout out to your essential workers all essential workers not just the 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 nurses and the doctors and everyone that work in the hospital um and those are not the only two people that work in the hospital obviously but um, everyone that work in the hospital, my heart goes out to all of y'all. My heart goes out to the people who work in the grocery store. My heart goes out to the Uber drivers that literally don't have any other job, but they had to pay the rent. They had to keep their light on. They had to pay the car note. Um, because they're literally only doing it out of necessity. They don't have the means. They don't have the funds to, to do whatever they want and, and stay home and, and still collect the check. Like these people, um, they, they don't have any other options. They don't have any means of income. And granted, a lot of people lost their jobs in the midst of this pandemic due to coronavirus. And so I don't want to say that the fact that they even had their job was a blessing, but just put that in perspective. Like it was either you lose your job and you claim unemployment benefits, but that's tricky because you got to wait a certain amount of time before you get it. Um, all claim processes are not the same. Um, so some person, one person may get it in one week. The next person may get it in one year. I know people who are who claim unemployment benefits this time last year or in April last year and still have not received their benefits. So just think about that mental toll. Just think about that uncertainty of really not knowing where your next dollar is coming from. Thinking about not knowing, you know, where this person who you... Uh, rung up at the at the register what they just did where they came from um where they you know wearing a mask or not or they just put the mask on when they came into your store because you know it's a state wide mandate you you have to think about just that constant mental battle that constant back and forth that they have to deal with due to this 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 virus due to the, the presence of this virus due to this new what we call the new normal Due to this virus, like the culmination of the blah, 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 the culmination of all these things, it it, it weighs on you, and it, and it takes a heavy toll. And those people are not going to be alright. It's people who aren't essential workers who just had to operate in the midst of this pandemic who are not going to be alright. And so we have to have to have to show our appreciation to these essential workers who literally risk their lives as a result out of necessity to survive some risk their lives to to better or to help or to try to improve the health or preserve the health of many others others have risked their lives to improve the health to make sure that people are attain attaining or acquiring the bare necessities and even more throughout this pandemic and even in the midst of all that another thing that this pandemic has done it has like opened our eyes to like 
the the actual ethics and morals of of these these big wigs, these these big companies. Um, many of the companies, their lights are being kept on because of their essential workers, and some of them, you know, they're they're helping these essential workers. They're providing benefits. They are um, making sure that they can taken care of. They're showing their appreciation. They're just making sure that you know their hard work and everything is reciprocated. And there's some that just don't care. It's just like an everyday thing. And a lot of that has been put on the forefront in the midst of this pandemic, more than it have has ever had before. And I think that's one of I don't want to say a great thing because there's nothing great about this, but that's something that's a positive that came that that comes out of this because now you understand you know where you you on where you stand in your company and how your company feels about you and how your company feels about the people you know when the pressure is on do they take care of you or do they make sure to let you know that you're expendable you know and that that's one great thing that i feel like that came out of it. again i hate to use the word great because i definitely should have been using that when um when covering this topic but just their their ethics and their priorities were put on front street a lot of them were exposed and those people when the ppp loans became available we've seen a lot of companies that uh took advantage of the ppp loans that shouldn't have taken advantage you know the the i want to say the main reason for the ppp loans was for, to help small businesses but there were a lot of small businesses um that had to shut down as a result of statewide mandates out of you know countrywide mandates um and as a result you know many people lost businesses many people lost customers many people lost money and all of that is not is is no way to recoup it. Think about the people that lost businesses. Um, these entrepreneurs that you know probably more times than not spent their whole life getting to where you know they are now to make sure that they had a sustainable business, make sure that they had a, a, a steady flow of of clients or consumers. Making sure that you know they were doing whatever they need to do to keep their head above water. You know, running a business is is not easy in no sense. Whether it's small business, large business, medium business, whatever case it may be, running a business is never easy because you constantly, constantly are spending on that business, and then you also have to recoup that money that you're spending back. And more times than not, you are trying to recoup more than you spent just so that you can continue to stay afloat. And most people aren't staying afloat. They're just doing whatever they need to do to 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 continue on, hoping that you know eventually things will turn and they are making more money than they are putting out. But just think about someone and anyone. I'm not really you know speaking about a specific owner, but just put yourself in the shoes of you spent the past twelve years trying to start up this company, trying to start up this business, and you know you're twelve years in and you feel like you're you know you're you're keeping your head afloat. And so you're you're doing good. And then all of a sudden something comes and you have to shut it down. And now that revenue that you're constantly banking on is not coming in. And then someone tells you or your, your government tells you that, you know, there's a loan available to try to help you, you know, recoup those fees that you lost or to recoup that revenue that you lost as a midst of shutting down are you're able to or there's a loan available to help you pay your employees because that's a lot of that's what happened in a lot of these cases as well is that you know employees were let go because employers weren't able to pay them and so think about you going through all this and then this loan becomes available and you go to find out that once you apply for the loan that all funds have been ran out because not only are local businesses like you and your neighbors are applying, but also the businesses, the big chain companies who never had to shut down, who the only you know difference in them was, let's say, a fast food restaurant. They can't allow people to dine in, but, you know, they still have drive through open or they're still able to, you know, do door or they're still allowing DoorDash orders or are still allowing deliveries. Think about finding out that that's the reason why 
you can't attain alone. Like that does something to you. Think about and I, I covered earlier in, in the pandemic about the the big sports uh, franchises applying for PPP loans. The Lakers being one. And I'm not speaking about the Lakers because I'm a Laker hater or because I hate the Lakers. The reason why I spoke about the Lakers and I covered that then is because we all know whether you follow sports or not, the casual sports fan, whether you follow basketball or not, knows that the Lakers is one of the most richest franchises in the entire world across all sports. Um, obviously, they're soccer uh, clubs that make uh, a, a bunch of money, um, but the, the Lakers rival those places. We have the, the Lakers, we have the Yankees, we have the Cowboys, and then we have all of the big soccer clubs. They, The revenue that they make is far ahead from their competitors. And so we think about a big company like the Lakers. We think about a big company like, um, who's that other company? Uh, Burger Shack. We think about companies like them who you know never actually really had to shut down. They were still able to make revenue. Granted, it probably wasn't the same revenue that they are used to. But they are still, you know, gaining a large sum of money throughout this pandemic. And off of technicality, they were able to apply for loans and get it. Think about things like that. Think about Tom Brady, seven-time Super Bowl champion, multimillionaire football player. Um, now, I don't want to say Tom Brady because I don't remember it was Tom Brady specifically. But there was an athlete, and I believe it was Tom Brady. But there was an athlete who also did that the same thing. They had a they had a business of their own, um, and they decided to apply for PPP loan. It was granted millions of dollars um, because they applied. This is off a of technicality because they were eligible. Just think about that, and think about all these people gaining the this money from this pot, and then you have. Local Joe Blow, who had to shut down his business, who had to shut down, you know, his shop because it was no funds available for him by the time he applied. And you could say, you know, that's it's not their fault. First come, first serve, or things like that. But just think about just going back to what I was talking about, just priorities and ethics and morals. Morally, that is never that's not okay on the behalf of those other big companies. And that's what I mean by morals were exposed through this pandemic because we we started to see what these what people care about. We started to see how far people would go, um, and we started to see just you know when when push comes to shove, what will these business owners, what will these businesses do um, to continue to stay ahead? I think we think about the the saying that. The rich stay richer and the poor get poor. That was literally what we were witnessing in these early days of of of, of quarantine. And it, it was crazy. But, I mean, are we surprised? Think about, speaking about the same thing in the big companies, we found out now in the midst of this pandemic that in order for goals, and in order for tasks, and more, in order for missions to be to be accomplished you don't really need everyone in the office and another that was another thing that was exposed for the sake of money how far would companies how far would CEOs go to put people at risk there were some companies there has been some companies who throughout this entire pandemic that has you know, dwindle with having people come back into the office. There was like some instances where people were phasing in, like, you know, a certain amount of people come on this day, a certain amount of people come on that day, or there were instances where only important people in the company come to work or things like that. And there were some companies and big shout out to my the the company I work for. We have not I have not been I have not been to Los Angeles in a year. Cause I work in Los Angeles. I don't, even though I'm, you know, within like the inner city, not really in Los Angeles, I'm in Los Angeles County. I don't really like to be in LA too much. I don't like to drive to LA. I don't like to, 
be out in LA like mingling with people. I don't like to do things in LA unless it's like concert or sporting event. I don't go to LA too much. I go in surrounding areas. I go into the little pockets in the hoods outside of LA. But LA itself, like the city, I hate LA. I try to stay outside of LA as much as I. Let me not say I hate LA because this is like technically I'm I'm from LA, and so me saying I hate LA it kind of sounds weird. So I take that back. I don't hate LA. I hate driving and being in LA. And so I would literally only go to LA for work and I have not been there once in the past year. I've been there once actually a lot. Not really LA, but you can call it LA. I've been to LAX. LAX is really like El Segundo uh area, but you can call it LA, but that is like the closest I've been to LA in the past year. And I'm I'm definitely thankful for that. But uh, get back. I'm getting off topic. I got off topic. But just getting back to me showing appreciation for my company. We still don't know what day we're going back into the office. But I was saying all that going on my rent about LA is because I've had the luxury of not having to go back to my office. There wasn't no inklings. There wasn't no discussions about, you know, maybe we should go back this day. Maybe we should come back. Our company still don't know what day we will return to office. And that's because they understand that, you know, we may have lost out on some businesses. We may have lost out on some revenue within this past year. But the fact of the matter is what is required from our employees can be accomplished at home. And employees can be successful and their morale is high because especially in in office in our offices like LA and New York, they don't have to deal with traffic. Um, they don't have to deal with commuting, and so they understand that. I'm a knock on wood because I don't want them to come back next week and be like, "All right, we know we got a date." But to this day, like they have never. Every time we have our like our all hands call every week, you know, people ask like, "Is there going to be a date?" Because you know they want to be blindsided, and our and the 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 people at the top of our heads of our companies keep saying that. You know, we don't have an, a specific date. We're still trying to make sure that everything is okay before we even start to think about coming back to the office. But as of right now, we do not have a date. And so I definitely appreciate them for that. And a lot of companies, a lot of big companies have been like that. But there are some companies that have not been that way. There's been some companies that, you know, come in on this day. As I just said, there were some companies that were staggering, you know, the percentages of people that were coming in. They were staggering the the roles of the people who, who had to come in and things like that and, it, and and it's been crazy honestly it's like thinking about i'm still thinking about just the essential workers the people who work in the hospitals think people who work in the um the grocery stores and things like that it really puts in the mind like i can drop dead any day and they can hire someone else and so we have to think about these things when, when we're seeking employment like a lot of times people ask, you know, you know, what's the morale or what the culture are like in this place? And we for the most part, we ask the wrong people because we're asking, you know, the HR, we're asking, you know, a, a manager, are we asking a director? And, you know, from the top down, you know, the morale is great because they're great because, you know, their pay may be high. You know, they're they don't really deal too much with the entry level people. Um, and the conversations they have about the company or the conversations they have within a company are literally the people of, you know, the higher status within that company. And so you ask them what the morale is like, they're going to say great. But the people you really have to inquire about within the morale and the culture is the people who are most affected by the decisions by the people in those places. Like asking an assistant, what is the morale and the culture like? Because He's dealing with all of those decisions. If a if a CEO decides that okay, you know we're going to come in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, that CEO is probably working from home, but they're determining, you know, who's going where and 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 what's on whatnot. And so that assistant may have came in on Wednesday and it was maybe only fifty percent capacity in their office, and they may have contracted it despite you know the low percentage of people in the office and so now they are dealing with that and may have got over it and you won't find that out speaking from from a from a ceo cfo or director and, and things like that because they are not really too affected by those decisions 
so that's another thing that we have to think like there one greatest thing about this and i know i said i hate using that word uh, especially when speaking about this but there are some great things that are coming out of this and that is another great thing that's coming out of this is that you know we are more prepared and we are more equipped in our lives now because of this there are certain things we know to look out for there are certain things we know to ask about um asking about benefits asking about how they dealt with the coronavirus asking about like i just said morale and things like that like those things are important but now we know moving forward that hey i never thought to ask about something like that but now i know to ask because i don't want to be put in that position and we're dealing with another you know worldwide pandemic and here i am coming to work every single day because the ceo don't care he thinks that you know his mission can only be only be accomplished if we have a thousand bodies in the office every single day um so that's another thing that is 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 a is a plus coming out of this is that you know we're well equipped for certain things moving forward um and i think even just thinking about that we have to understand that allowing this new norm that we're in now and these companies and people are able to work from home and knowing that you know despite you know we're working from home we're not seeing people every day and the mission has been carried on for the past 12 months i think that companies and ceos and cfos and all these heads they have to understand that you know ignoring what has occurred in the past 12 months it would definitely affect morale because now you have employees who are you know once everything is back to normal whenever that day will be understanding that i could do this at home why am I here? Why do I have to travel to this job every day? I could be at home with my child. I can be, you know, experiencing whatever, you know, milestones in their lives that I'm missing out on. I can be, you know, at home caring to my animal. I can be at home, you know, spending quality time with my significant other or my spouse. And I think that millions of people across the world are going to have that mind state because they understand what can be accomplished remotely. And so, if CFOs ignore that, it's going to drain the morale within offices and drain the morale with all these companies remarkably. And that's something that we cannot ignore. You cannot ignore the people because they have feelings. And the fact of the matter is, the people is who carry out all the important things, whether we acknowledge it or not. It's the people in the lowest and the bottom of the totals pole who carry out just the, the the what they may believe to be the meaningless tasks that are a lot of times the most important. Speaking about the people, um, social justice was on the forefront throughout this entire pandemic. I don't know if it's a good thing or I don't know if it's a bad thing, but um, we had the death of of we had the not the death we had the murder of Ahmaud Arbery in February, uh, February 23rd to be specific. Um, we had the murder, the assassination of Breonna Taylor, uh, March 3rd, March 13th. We just passed the one year anniversary of that, um, of both. Um, we just, we're, we're, we had the death of, of George Floyd in May 20, on May 25th, I believe it was. So we had Ahmaud Arbery, February 23rd, Breonna Taylor, March 13th, and then George Floyd, uh, May 25th. George Floyd was the one who sparked the, the hugest interest, or the hugest, who lit the hugest fire, because that's when people really started getting out. And we know the fact of the matter for that is that Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, we didn't, the worldwide, it wasn't covered for a while. Like, we know that Ahmaud Arbery was killed in February and there were no arrests made in his case until May. And then the same thing for Breonna Taylor, who was married, in, who was married, sorry, who was murdered in March. I believe there was no arrest made for her death until, until I want to say June, but we didn't find out about her death until late May. And those weren't the only lies we were claiming. It was many other lies as well. But these were just like three main ones that that really lit a huge fire under our asses as a country. Um, and people just felt like they, they, they couldn't take it no more. Me, and I spoke about it. I've been vocal about it. I 
felt great witnessing, you know, what that sparked for a lot of people. Because a lot of people, you know, despite battling this virus, they, they went out there and they risked their lives for the sake of, you know, fighting the good fight and bringing justice or bringing awareness to social justice, racism, uh, systematic oppression, and things like that. And that, again, is another one of those ultimate risks that we just can't ignore. Um, but this past year, we've seen an influx of people who have become great leaders. We've seen an influx of people who have become compelled to bring awareness to these issues. Um, we have seen an influx of people who feel like it was their right to bring awareness to um, the majority's issues. And as a result, you know, a lot of these things were in the forefront of media for a while because these protesters get out there and protest for weeks and days on end um, because we've seen the hashtags on social media, because we've seen a story shared on social media, because we've seen, you know, people demanding that justice being brought to certain people all these things that happen and we've seen it not even happen just here even though those incidents or those murders happen here in america we've seen support across the waters as well people you know protesting for Georgia Florida, protesting for brianna taylor and things like that this past month was this past month these past 12 months were so crazy that Literally, people started to fight a fight that we have been fighting quietly for the past 60 years. Now, I don't want to say quietly like we've been intentionally doing it quietly. What I mean quietly is that no one has heard us. No one has cared about us. Nobody has cared about the stories that we have shared. It just have all been swept under a rug. And because we're all sitting at home because we're all watching TV, because we're all reading the news, because we're all on social media, we couldn't ignore, for once, we could not ignore these stories. Like, you had to cover it, you had to empathize for these families, you had to empathize for these victims, and the majority of people were so compelled that they had to get out and show their support and, and, and show why these things were not okay. We've seen going back into the companies. We've seen a lot of companies put out these statements. And I spoke about this as well. Um, we've seen a lot of companies put out statements showing that they are aligning with the good fight. And then that was our, let's say, let me not say they just uh, put out statements. They put out statements and they made donations and then that was that. And we never heard anything else. But there were some companies that to this day are still fighting a good fight that are speaking out um, against and using their platforms and investing in, in people of color because of what we were able to command during the summer of 2020 as a result of these protests, as a result of these census killings, as a result of these assassinations. Um, a lot of these big companies, for the first time, have now heard us and understood why they had to back us, understood you know, the importance of investing in, in our communities. And that, again, is another great thing. Because I don't know about y'all, but every time I turn on the TV, I, I see, you know, well, I see some black faces. I see, you know, this company is donating to this HBCU. I see, you know, black creatives. I see black creators. I just see an influx of black people, whether it's genuine or not. We are there and we were hurt. And now. This world will never be aligned to, you know, not be racist and not be bigots and, and not be things like that. But the fact of the matter are that we are in these places now, it's enough. Because that's all we ever needed was to get our foot in the door somewhere. And now we can explain to you why these things are not okay. Because this is my reality and this is what I have to deal with. And the fact that you don't have to deal with that, it goes to show, you know, the problem or what's wrong with America. And so now we are able to voice our opinions. Now we are able to speak our peace on these very important topics that are near and dear to our hearts that people have not cared about for the past 60 years. 
people have not cared about for the past 400 years. But now we are in these places just to share, you know, these stories, to share these accounts. And now they are listening. Where the, let me not say that. Now they hear us. I don't know that they're actually listening. But now they hear us. We, we, we've made noise. So huge shout out to y'all. Because again, that is another risk as well. A lot of y'all got out there and risked y'all lives for the good fight. And that should not go unmentioned. Because in order to make progress in this country, in order to make progress for our people, um, you got you to gotta make some things uncomfortable. And y'all did that. Y'all protested in front of house of elected officials. Y'all protested in the streets of the busy streets of, of, of highly trafficked uh, cities and highly trafficked areas. And so it was no way to ignore these things. So thank you all for that. I work in media and there were certain campaigns and there are certain things that, you know, people will say that, you know, we were hit hard because of COVID. But a lot of these times when we're, you know, planning for things, um, that are outdoor, whether it's bulletins or our bus shelters or things like that, and y'all have protests going on, that affects us. But that's also good because it's like, that is the, granted, during that time, the company I worked for, um, a lot of the messaging that we were putting out there, it was literally aligned with what was going on in the world. But that wasn't what, is, what was important. What was important is that y'all were out there and that, you know, people weren't really a, a paying attention to what we were putting out there, but we still had a job to put these things, to put these messages in these places. And the reason why, if there was any reason for those messages to not be covered or for those reason, any reason for those messages to not really be cared about, I'm glad that it was for this. So huge shout out to y'all. That's the last time I'm going to say I know I said it like three times already, but huge shout out to y'all for everything that y'all did within this past year. Um, another great thing that happened in these past 12 months is y'all removed that pig from the office. Granted, he didn't go without fighting, uh, but we removed him. And that was the main reason why we are in the space that we are in now is because he chose to ignore certain things. And the office I'm talking about is a White House. Um, but he chose to ignore certain things. He chose to make light of certain things. He chose to incriminate people from a certain place he chose to um use prejudice against people from a certain place as he has done his entire four years in the office and in the years leading up to that um he continued to use his platform to showcase or speak about things that just weren't important rather than dealing with the issue at hand which was battling this coronavirus um but y'all removed him from the office, and y'all got somebody else in there. Y'all got uh, Moneybag Joe and, and uh, I forget what y'all call uh, Kamala. Uh, but y'all got Moneybag Joe in the office. Again, I'm not endorsing no presidential candidates. I'm not endorsing anything like that. But y'all got rid of him. And, and we've seen the effects, the after effects of him being removed, uh, what it looks like. We, we're seeing the early stages of what it looks like to have you know, a leader who is actually trying to write or trying to fight this coronavirus, opposed to having a leader who was utilizing his time to keep these narratives or control these narratives or the pushy narratives of, of racism, racism and bigotry. And we get out of that. So huge shout out to y'all once again, because that's that's huge and in closing this past 12 months has been something that none of us could ever prepare for none of us could ever think about none of us could ever dream about none of us could have a nightmare about it's just it was unpredictable but if you're listening to this podcast today you are here you have survived you may have survived with bumps and bruises you may have a bunch of scars. You may have lost family members, lost friends, but you are here. And that there is something that should not go unnoticed. Thank yourself for, for doing whatever you need to do to, to, to get to here. 
I understand that it came at, came with a price, but we are here today for a reason. I'm not saying anything because I understand all my listeners may not be religious, and I respect that. And so I'm not going to say that that's a, for any religious reason. I'm not going to say that for any spiritual reasons. I'm just saying for the fact of the matter is that you are here today listening to this podcast and that there should be enough. Some takeaways from these past 12 months is that we know how to better assess situations going forward. So utilize that when you're looking, when you're seeking employment, you know, ask them how did they deal with the coronavirus? Ask them about, you know, their health benefits. Ask them about, you know, their requirements to physically be in the office if, if you work in an office space. Ask them about that. Because of these past 12 months, we now know where people who may once have considered as friends where their priorities were in the past 12 months. So now we know we can remove those people. You know, there are people who, despite everything, has been out partying, um, putting their lives and others at risk. People who have, you know, fought against the mask mandate and things like that. Um, you now know that going forward. So now you are better better equipped to access your friendships you know the people to remove because you know where their priorities lie another thing is that you know a lot of us lost a lot of money a lot of us lost a lot of income and so now we should be better with managing money because of out of necessity we had to learn how to do that you know there were some months where we may have not seen as much money as we used to there may be a month where we may not have gained any income at all. And so now we know how to stretch a dollar. And now we know how to make ends meet and prepare for any situation. Hopefully, you know, a lot of us um, comes out of a situation with a savings account if we never had any before. Um, even uh, even with that, in the past 12 months, you know, there's been a lot of conversations around stocks and, and cryptocurrency and things like that. And we've learned that in the past 12 months because people in media and social media, you know, they have taught us about that. In the past 12 months, you have learned the importance of pertaining your mental health. And so whatever practices that you have used to make it this far continue those when things get good and the world's back up and you're with your friends and you're with your family and you're partying and things like that don't lose sight of you know what kept you sane throughout these these crazy times and i say all that to say one last time is that just be present in a moment be thankful that you are still here and be grateful that you are still here because many, two million to be exact, more than two million, I should say, to be exact, are not here. And there are some that are still here that are still facing ailments as a result of this deadly virus. But you are here. Even if you are here and you you aren't in the best of health, still be grateful. And I and I hope that you overcome whatever it is that you're that you're going through. But still, be grateful that you are here because many have lost their lives. I would say I didn't mean corona. I would say I didn't mean to corona y'all to death, but I did. That was the intention of this episode, and I delivered on that. But that's really all I have for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in to the Speak My Peace podcast. I apologize. Probably should have led with this if the audio was kind of off. I got a new microphone. I'm trying to test it out. Trying to, um, I got new equipment. I got a lot of new equipment this week, and so now I'm trying to like test everything out and figure everything out. To my YouTube watchers, I know the setup kind of looks different. Um, you don't see the plant and things like that. I'm trying to test that out as well. I also got new equipment for that. Um, but again. Thank you for tuning into the Speaking of Peace podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure, make sure you are subscribing, sharing. Um, same thing with Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, where the case may be. Make sure you are subscribing, leaving feedback. Rate the podcast. Share with your friends. I appreciate it all. Before we do get out of here, my what to watch for this week is Billie Holiday versus the United States. Or the United States versus Billie Holiday on Hulu. Once again, my what to watch for this week is... 
United States versus Billy Holiday on Hulu. That's the Speaking of Peace podcast for this week. I'm Greg Lacey, y'all. Stay safe. I'm out.